This is the Jesus Habit Podcast, where we use scripture and science to make your new nature in Christ second nature. Episode 1 for Monday, September 8th, 2019. big idea, 100% commitment is easier than 98% commitment. Our memory verse, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Hebrews 4, verse 14 through 16. Genesis 1, 26 and 27, and verse 31. Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Verse 31, God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Up until this point, God had said that everything he had created was good. But on this day, he said it was very good. You are the very good creation of God. You aren't just a meaningless conglomeration of cells. Your very identity is attached to the only true deity in all of creation. God himself made you in his image. You carry the likeness of God. This, I believe, is one of the reasons idol worship is such a big deal to God. We are supposed to worship him, our creator. We aren't supposed to try to make something in his image because the earth is full of his image. Shortly after making man, God made Eve because it wasn't good for man to be all by himself. And then these first two humans enjoyed something extraordinary. From Genesis 3.8, we get the picture that God would take leisurely strolls through the garden in the evening hours. Prior to that, it appears that God spoke to Adam and told him what to do, giving him instructions for farming and, of course, the one rule, don't eat the fruit from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. They didn't have to worry about anything. There was no question of what was right and what was wrong. All they knew was communion with God and obedience to his one command. But in the first part of Genesis 3, it all goes wrong. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. 
Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. That crafty little snake. Here they were, enjoying guilt-free, shame-free, sin-free existence with the Creator, and that snake deceived them with four little words. Did God really say? In other words, don't trust God. In the next exchange, we see who, according to the snake, we are supposed to trust. Ourselves. You will be like God. They already were. They were literally already like God, made in his image and likeness. Jesus was right on the money when he said the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The snake is the world's first identity thief. He stole their identity right out from under their noses. And then he played to their hearts. Not just the tricky argument, but he tugged on their heartstrings. How? With desire. The desire to be like God. This loser changed the way Eve saw the fruit. She no longer saw it as something to avoid. It was something to be desired, desirable for gaining wisdom. So she took some and ate it. Then she gave some to Adam and he ate it. He didn't resist. He didn't intervene. He just let the whole thing happen. Which is why, many argue, Adam's first sin was that of ambivalence. He had abdicated his responsibility to Eve and just stood by and did nothing. They had one rule, don't eat that fruit. But they chose to rebel against God and do things their own way. And things unraveled instantaneously. They knew they were naked. They felt shame. They immediately started to feel the effects of the curse. They got kicked out of God's paradise. One of their kids would kill the other. And within a few generations, God would have totally different feelings about these people he had made in his image. Genesis chapter 6, verse 5 and 6. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. The Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth, and his heart was deeply troubled. Every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. Those are powerful words. The motives of humanity were evil. Their desires were evil. If you're not familiar with the story, that statement kicks off the story about Noah and God destroying the earth with the flood. Why did he do that? because Adam and Eve listened to the wrong voice and believed the wrong story. Eventually, after God would lead his chosen people out of slavery in Egypt, only to have them follow the same pattern of rebellion and worshiping other idols, the prophet Jeremiah echoes the same sentiment of God, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Jeremiah 17.9 We face the very same problem today. Our hearts are deceitful. The desires of our hearts are often for the supremacy of ourselves rather than God's ways. Tomorrow we're going to talk about the only hope we have to overcome this story of deception. But for today, let's ask ourselves a question. What stories have I been believing about myself that aren't true? I'd encourage you to spend some time thinking and praying about the stories that are driving your life at this moment. Maybe it's a belief that you'll never be good enough, so you work yourself to death to prove your worth. 
Maybe it's a belief that you'll be happy when you finally get that next toy. Maybe it's the one about following your heart and that's the only way to be truly happy. Or that God must not love you because your life is hard. Maybe it's the one that says God could never forgive someone who's done what you've done. Whatever they may be, we have to get to the root of the lie in our lives. Because God made you and me for one thing, relationship with him. He wants to know you and be known by you. His desire is to dwell among his people and be our God. That's where the story began and where it ends. To get us to that point, he has to deal with the lies we have believed and are currently derailing our lives. Everything in between is about getting us back on track with God's original design. What stories have you been believing about yourself that aren't true? www.thejesushabit.com